Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am here. I'm, I, I, I know I always say I'm really excited for this conversation. Even more excited as we were chatting right before we hit record. I think it's going to be a topic that a lot of us need to be uh, probably questioning, having conversations with our own colleagues and leaders and, and things of that nature. And so I'm glad to bring um, some of this topic to light. And so I'm here um, with the incredible... Mary Beth Hertz. So, Mary, welcome to the show. And for those that don't know who you are and what you do, what do you got going on? Who are you? What you do? And, uh, you know, you have a long laundry list of uh, incredible things that you have done in your career. So uh, I want to make sure everybody knows a little bit about who you are. Well, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Um, agree about the uh, the conversation before we hit record. I think it's going to be a good conversation. Um, so my name is Mary Beth Hertz, and I am an educator. I wear, I do wear a lot of hats. I've been um, working in K-12 education for almost 20 years. This is actually year 20 um, in Philadelphia. I've worked in public neighborhood, elementary. I've worked in charter. I've worked in independent school. I've worked in, um, I'm in a criteria-based high school um, right now. So um, lots of different places in education. And um, I've also been very involved in ed tech um, since like what, I guess it was like 2008, 2009. Um, and so this this new uh, world that we're in actually feels very familiar. But I, um, you know, I teach kids visual art, so actual studio art. I also teach young people media and design entrepreneurship. Um, and also an intro to tech. Uh, we used to call it like a boot camp for ninth graders. So kind of just getting them ready for their high school career. So yeah, a lot of content area, a lot of hats, a lot of different things. Um, but uh, but all about, you know, basically using technology with students to um, help them create and and explore and, and do cool stuff. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, even as you're you're introducing yourself, it's it's, you know, most people probably now that are listening to the last few episodes know we're probably heading down the uh, rabbit trail of AI, but I think in a slightly different tone. But even as you know, as you're teaching visual arts and all that good stuff, it's 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 a fascinating landscape. Not just AI in and of itself, but you, we think about uh, you know the all the the strikes and the things going on within the 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 creation of art, whether that's movies or visual arts and painting. But then you think about usage of rights with tools like Midjourney or Adobe, you know, and so I wasn't planning to start there, but I, I, my brain's already cooking on that. You know, I mean, as, as you, I'm assuming you label yourself an artist, um, if you're within those things, how are you processing some of that? Because this, even though it feels like every time there's, uh, I'll call it a tech swing, a tech shift when we can, there's many of those, you know, we are in this place now that I think maybe feels a little bit different where that whole idea of copyright, um, the usage of, of data, whether that's visual or text, whatever it might be, can be used faster and quicker and maybe more silent than ever before. And there's obviously lots of stuff happening in the courts right now, but you know, how are you wrapping your head around that as you're thinking about teaching that probably maybe some of your own work and then also as a tech director and AI enthusiast slash cynic, uh, <laughs> cautious optimism, you know, where, 
where do you land in that? Yeah, it's it's complex. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's so many facets, right? So last year, um, you know, the, all this stuff kind of hit the ground. When we came back from winter break, it was like, you know, AI was was accessible, right? Like it was public, you know, I think it was November, right? I think is when OpenAI opened up um, ChatGPT. So, and Dali, so Dali was the, obviously as the art art uh, piece. So I actually did have my students, um, we did a Visions of the Future project. And so they actually used Dali to generate, uh, they, they had to brainstorm on paper in their sketchbooks, you know, five words that they thought described the future. And then they put those five words into Dali. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Dali 2 is OpenAI's visual image generator using text. So they were able to generate AI images, AI generated images, uh, based on their descriptors that they had defined about what the future was going to look like, be, include, whatever. And then they were able to use that as a jumping off point. Um, they used, the, we made collages. So they, I printed that, them out at, um, and had let them like cut them out if they wanted to include them in their collage. Um, but something that was interesting is when we got to the end, and that was, I think, like second quarter, I think, or third, second, second quarter. So right. halfway through the year. At the end of the year, I did a, a project where they got to basically dis decide what they wanted to do. And they were allowed to use Dali 2 for brainstorming. So part of the project proposal was I would meet with each kid individually and they'd have to show me what was called, what I called a preliminary sketch. For some kids, it was um, uh, if they were doing digital art on the iPad, it was like an iPad thing. If it was a, a drawing or a painting, they would do a sketch, a sculpture, they would just kind of sketch out. And then some kids used Dali to create an idea, right? And, and it was, you know, if it, as an artist, sometimes you have these pictures in your head or you have these ideas and it is helpful just the same way we use it for text, right? Sometimes yeah. we want to get this brainstorming going to have that. And I love my favorite term is just thought partner. Mm -hmm. That's what I call these tools as a thought partner. Um, and as artists, like what could that look like? And you can throw in, as to your point, right, those descriptors, like I want it to look like a Van Gogh, I want it to look like a Seurat, I want it to look like, you know, whatever the, or O'Keefe or like something like that, right? Um, and so that's awesome because they may be your inspiration because every artist has an inspiration, but it's also problematic, um, you know, for two reasons. One, you could actually generate art that someone, and then say that it's by this artist when it's not. <laughs> that's the disinformation part. But also you run into the problem that like you were talking about of like, you know, artists don't, they don't get to say, right? They don't have a say on whether their art is used for, now I, every single person I just mentioned is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have a say anyway, but you know, for artists, you know, these tools, um, I think, I don't know about chat GPT, the, the newest version, but I know that the, the free one stops in 2021. So anybody who's has art up online until 2021 their art could be used to create new art and there's nothing they can really do about it um especially since the scraping is happening on reddit uh <laughs> deviant art right and deviant art had its own fiasco because it released an ai tool where it was going to scrape user images and making everyone was like well, what are you talking about right so yeah, it's it's really complex. Um, I don't have any answers. Um, as far as opinion goes, um, you know, I think 
there, like everything else that we're talking about with text-based stuff, you know, it, it's the same thing, right? If I say write an essay in the style of, you know, I don't know, some writer, right? Then that writer never said that someone could do that, right? Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a definitely, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is just like having those open, transparent conversations with kids, right? Yeah. That's what matters. Right. Having the answer doesn't matter. Knowing the answer doesn't matter. They ask me what I think and I'm and I'll be honest and be like, don't know guys, <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's, here's where my thinking is. And here's like the, the, the thought process that I have. Um, some of them have, some of them have really strong, you know, had really strong opinions. Um, but, uh, since some didn't, but, um, but yeah, so I think it's I think that there's valid arguments across the board, right? Yeah. I think that the creators have valid arguments, especially in the you know with the SAG Afra stuff with the the generated actors, right? We'll pay you one time for your likeness, and then we'll just use it in perpetuity, right? Like, mm, yeah, wow, right, right. Um, yeah, so it's it's complex, but I think it comes down to, um, you know, having those conversations. And I think before the before we hit record, we were talking about, um some of the conversation you had with um, John Nash and yeah. he, you all were talking about academic integrity. And so I think there's a, a sense, you know, the art world has its own integrity. Right. And so, you know, if you think about right now, I forget what the name of that Chinese company that's like mass producing stuff and selling it really cheap and basically like stealing people's does. I can't remember the name. Shio. I can't remember. Um, there, I mean, it, it was happening where, you know, urban outfitters were stealing Etsy designs and then, you know, yep. putting them up for sale. So I think there's nothing new about this conversation. The nuance is that the power is not siloed in these companies now. It's now in the hands of like every single living human being on the planet. Really great uh, post I saw about um, this woman, I forget her role, but she was talking about how she saw this picture on Facebook and someone was like, look at this cute little baby peacock. And so she was like, oh, it's so cute and shared it and then found out her friend was like, yeah, that's that that's, that's not a peacock. <laughs> and it turned out to be this like AI generated cutesy little picture of a peacock. But she had already shared it. And then she went down a rabbit hole of like using Google images to find a picture of baby keep baby peacock. And that image was in Google images oh, labeled wow. as a picture of a baby peacock. <laughs> So she was talking about this this idea of um she called it an oil spill that mm. like the the oil has spilled and the companies have to like they have to like or they, she was using like Exxon and you know all these companies and stuff like the oh look we're we're trying to clean up the data we're washing the little baby birds right but like it's but we were responsible for the spill in the first place so we're mm. trying to like save face by looking at how look we're going to clean up the baby birds but we haven't owned the fact that like we just destroyed an entire ecosystem. Right. So I think, you know, she was just talking about this fact that these companies have flooded these, these generated, these AI generation have flooded the internet and data with bad data. And how are the, how are we going to clean this up? Right. How yeah. are we going to clean up that spill? So it was a really interesting um, analogy. And, um, and I think the more we share those kinds of thing about the transparency with our students, right. Um, the more we share those kinds of experiences and share those kinds of things, I think the critical thinking piece, right, that has to happen um, is super important. But also, like, the woman has a PhD. Like, she's not, not that, you know, 
for some folks that might not mean anything, but like, <laughs> but I mean, she's not, she's a very, and she was saying that she's like, I'm a really like highly educated person. And even I shared this thing and was like yeah. cute baby peacock, you know? So I think, um, and then even trying to find the truth, the truth was even like the stuff that she was finding was finding was like random websites with horrible images just uploaded and labeled yeah. as baby peacock. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it raises so many things as you know, as you're sharing those stories, like it's not just an education issue. It's not just a tech issue. There is the ethics to it. There's morality. There's how do we even discern what's, what's right or not. And I know it goes, it, I don't, I'll have to find the place to quote it, but I was really fascinated, like the psychology and not to get into politics because I don't enjoy those conversations. But every time like the political like scene ramps up again, they talk a lot about the psychology of like the first people to spew out information um, has the biggest impact, even if it's not correct. Even if you go back and and then say, oh, that wasn't accurate. Actually, here's the the, the what the real fact was the brain still processes that first piece even if you know the other it's been been corrected and so i'm thinking through like all these things that are out there i mean misinformation on the web is is not a new concept but the way in which we can harness and get this information now um with all these ai tools is just a whole nother layer to what was already things we were trying to figure out and maybe we just kind of gave up on it looked the other way but now i think it's like front and center in a lot of different things for a lot of different reasons i always i've been I, I i say it jokingly but it's not really a joke i mean i think to me ai is just really reminded us how much we are a product <laughs> we're in, yeah we're definitely not in as much in control as we like to think you know and and maybe to build off that that thought you know i know you recently and I know you've got other stuff in the works, put together um, some really great graphics as we're as we're kind of talking here about ethics and policies and just the different things as as people are are dabbling and trying to figure this stuff out and learn from it. And there's a lot of voices out there, um, you know, in, in these fields. And so you've put together some some really great visuals and resources really around that idea of like ethics and policies, which hasn't been dis discussed as much as maybe it should be, especially with the uh, start of a new school year. Again, probably almost a little bit like you said earlier. I don't know that there's perfect answers yet, but starting off with some of those 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 conversations to at least get the gears turning. You know, as you, I'll put a link in the show notes for people to check it out. But as you've been curating this, you know, you put time into a really really great Canva uh, document there. What 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 sparked that? What got you to that point? Not just to to read, but to curate this. And I'm sure, knowing you, you've got more more coming down the pipeline. But you know, what what's got your your wheels turning when it comes to these, like the ethical and the policy side of AI? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with like kind of something I mentioned in the in the beginning of the show. It was when I was talking about my background. Is that you know, I I was in the classroom, um, and I was a teaching in a computer lab um when web 2.0 came out <laughs> and everybody was so excited oh, yeah. we can interact with the internet right are we going to have our kids blogging we're going to make them email addresses we're going to have them chatting we're going to have them like <laughs> doing all this stuff and it was super excited and super disruptive you know disruptive you know in the innovation world right 
And everybody was just jumping on this technology bandwagon. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, we find out what these companies were doing with our students' data, right? I've, I have like serious guilt <laughs> over how many times I, I did all this stuff and just like, and even just the digital footprint that we had our kids, right? Putting this mm. stuff up publicly. We were so excited, authentic audience, right? Like, and then it turned into walled gardens. And then it was, you know, so it's, it's definitely, um, it's very reminiscent of that where we've got this shiny new toy and look what it can do. And, and a lot of what I see is that, right? I see yeah. a lot of that and, and it's not wrong, right? None of it's wrong. There is so much potential. There's so much awesome stuff. And I do have in the resources um, that you mentioned kind of like a, um, you know, this is the potential, but like of those potentials, here's are the things we should be thinking about. So, you know, I'm not going to go all doom and gloom, but I think um, we, we, we have a place we can learn from, right? We, we have an experience that many of us in this world of ed tech went through. And so, um, you know, the, the ethical implications of what we're doing with data to me are like the big thing because like literally that's all these things are, right? They're data scrapers. Yeah. And to your point before um, about, you know, disinformation and misinformation and all that, it's like, these tools are fed and some of them are live on the internet, right? So it was a bard, I guess, right? Is like scraping the live internet. So if there's fake images out on the internet and you do a, a query and you talk to this chatbot, it could feed you the fake images that it made. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in this place where we're also putting so much garbage out there, but the tools we're using are using that garbage to learn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, and and so I guess I think I I think on the the peacock uh, baby peacock post because I saw it on LinkedIn, um, you know one of my things or maybe I saw it on Threads. It might have been on Threads, but um, <laughs> all the places. <laughs> um, so I think you know my thought was just like di teaching because te digital literacy is one of the things I teach, like you know digital literacy, media literacy, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's going to be exponentially harder, right? Yes. Like how how do we I don't want to say combat this. Um, it's not a war. Education is not a war. But I think um, it's like how, what do you, you know, use only so much you can do in some ways, right? And I think we need to be realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we have to do something, right? We can't, we have to address this head on. Like we have to talk about it. Be We can't ignore it. Like I think to your, to, to your point um, at some point, I don't know, it was before recording or during recording about like people being ready for this stuff, right? Yeah. There is no being ready. There's no waiting until you're ready. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's learning and and understanding and and doing the best you can and being open and transparent and and doing that with adults and also with with young people. Um, because if we don't, we're going to run into the same problems we have with social media, where kids got on social media with no guidance. I used to use the the playground. Um, metaphor right we don't send kids off in the playground without teaching them about safety and about bullies and about how and like you know being safe on the playground but with social media we gave them this playground and we just kind of ignored it yeah. and like you know and and stayed out of that space and now we're in a, a place where um in you know social media and how kids are navigating it hasn't really gotten that much better no <laughs> so um so I, I think that that same metaphor of like okay, the kids are going to use it, 
we can't ignore the fact they're going to use it. How are we supporting them through that process? And how are we also understanding that there's no way we can control how they use it, right? You can't control it and cheat, cheating, whatever. And we talked about a little bit about that before, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, kids using it for kids and I say kids and adults using it for, you know, ways that are less and less have less integrity is going to happen. But how do we support, um, you know, people and even teachers, right? Understanding um, their use of the tools and and how they maintain their own integrity um, as creators and thinkers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, and there was something else I was thinking, but I'll stop rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, I mean, you hit on on, on such a some, some really key points. I think you know the 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 heart of any educator, you know, really wants the best for their kids, you know, and we want to try to control as much as we can in that positive light in terms of like, we, we want our kids to be safe and protected. And we've been through this gauntlet time and time again, and we're not out of the gauntlet with social media by any means, but now we're throwing AI into all those tools and then AI in general. I, I think about where we were working with some, some administrators in one of our, our policy kind of workshops. This, And really the bigger thing that came out was like, now they have to go create a policy now, but holy cow, do we have a lot of learning to do? And there, and to me, that was like the, one of the biggest ahas that I wanted to take away for people to realize, like, we've got learning to do before we can start putting in different things of what we're going to block or not block or allow or not allow. Doesn't mean you still can't, you need to get up the code on age limits and what the data is doing. That stuff is crucial, but there is, there is something here that needs to be, be done with that. And so the one place we were talking through, they're like, we're going to do this and that. We're thinking this. And I'm like, but do you like, what's your cell phone policy? Well, secondary ed, kids can have cell phones. I'm like, so then the policies, I didn't say this out loud, but really become ineffective because if I can. <laughs> right. And just go on the app. And on I my have phone. the app. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So there's this bigger call for this digital citizenship and. We've always been working on that. I don't know how well it's 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 been better in some places than others, but now it's not just for the sake of education. It's, I mean, this sounds so like cheesy utopian, but like for the sake of humanity, because all it's it's going to be infused in everything. So how do we help ourselves learn how to discern what is going on and what's being perceived? And I shared like even on Instagram, I don't know what, what the company is. I'll put a link so people can check it out, but they have like a, an influencer that's estimated to make $10 million this year. And she's not even real. Mm -hmm. She's, mm -hmm. she's a, she's virtual, but she looks real. And I'm just like that to me, you compound that with all the influencers of social media. And now they're going to be influenced by whatever the algorithms these companies have access to that sometimes neuro ourselves better than we know ourselves is, is to me a little a little alarming and i like ai i like tech like i most people see me as you know like oh man he loves it but i also have that that fear of like holy cow what's that mean for my kids <laughs> and you yeah know, i mean mental like, health wise right oh, like geez. you already have i mean i actually fun fact i tell my students this um i don't go it's funny when threads opened up um i stopped i have instagram um I had an Etsy shop that was, it's still there, but I don't have time for it anymore. But, um, <laughs> so I had an Instagram, but like, I don't go on Instagram because it makes me feel like crap. Yeah. 
it makes me feel like my life is boring and I am don't have the right this. So they're like, my kids don't do cute. My kids don't do that. My, you know, and so I was like, what is going on in my head? So I I don't go on there because it just makes me feel less than. Yeah. And I'm not even worried about the beauty standards, right? Like I'm over that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm too old to care about beauty standards. (laughs) They being over 40. Um, But I think that, you know, just the, the the filters were bad enough, right? Now you've got, AI generated influencers that are like perfect. And, and there's actually, it's fascinating. Um, this is a, t- a side note, but there's a guy that I see post on LinkedIn all the time. Um, and which is where I'm getting most of my information these days, same, which is same. crazy. But, um, <laughs> but he actually tries to code imperfections into his AI portraits and like, it won't do it. Hmm. So he'll post these generated images and text prompts and, and say like I I tried he like tried to make imperfections and then he points out the imperfections in the generated images to show that the tool did it but like if he didn't point it out you would be like that's a beautiful model right <laughs> and so it goes back to kind of what we're talking about you know mental health wise first of all like if the AI itself isn't able to produce images that aren't you know quote unquote perfect. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Um, but then these AI tools are going to are integrated into these these apps now, so I can use AI to change my appearance, right? And I can use and and it won't ever show potentially my um, anything that's quote unquote wrong with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and there was something else that you were you were saying that I I lost my um because you were talking about the oh the the learning piece right um because you were talking about how we have so much to learn. Right. Um, and I think, um, you know, the the learning piece is important because nobody is an expert in any of this. Like I'm going to be doing a workshop um, or like a kind of like course. Um, not it's not something I can offer to the public. It's for another company, <laughs> but uh, it's um, they may offer it to the public, but it's, um, you know, focused on AI. But I, one of the people I'm doing it with is like literally builds with large language models that's his job yeah and he's like i don't know how it works it's like i don't on the inside like a lot of what you read is that these even the people building them are like well that's cool (laughs) you know (laughs) so i think part of what i do in my class with my ninth graders that the the boot camp i was talking about is i start off with how the internet works yeah and like what is a packet and what is an IP address? And how does how and thank God for code.org. I hope they never take those videos down because they have no a bunch doubt. of really great videos with like Vince Surf. Like <laughs> I said, I'm like, Vince Surf is still alive. <laughs> like, dude made the internet. That's how young the internet is, right? And so um, you know, so I think the uh the uh, what's that saying about how the sausage is made, right? Uh. So I think <laughs> You know, part of what we didn't understand back in 2008, 2009 was how the sausage was made, right? We didn't actually understand the technology behind. And so what's, what, I, what I can do by starting off the year with how the internet works is then when we talk about passwords and privacy and hacking and, and, and all this kind of stuff, cookies, right, tracking, like all this stuff, they have a framework of like, oh, right the the you know the the computer has an ip address and so it knows my ip address and it can track me based on that and the ip address is what's attached to the data packets it's going to the servers and like 
it sounds really technical. It's not that hard to understand on a basic level, but it really helps you understand when I click a button, it's not freaking magic. Right, right. it's a thing that's like a process that's decades and decades and decades old and hasn't changed. Um, and so to your point about the learning, um, you know, I think the, the bare minimum we can do is understand that these things gobble data and that they, and that the data that they're gobbling can be problematic and yes. then they spit us out problematic stuff. And so, um, but also like, they have gobs and gobs of data and yeah, they can save us time. Right. Because so it's like this double-edged sword, right? They, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. ChatGPT wrote my rubrics last spring. (laughs) ChatGPT wrote me all kinds of stuff because stuff that would have taken me three hours to pull together took me 20 minutes. Like it's great, but I changed it, right? It would spit something out and it'd be like, it's almost there, you know, kind of like a chef adding like a little bit more salt to the stew or whatever, right? Like you, you, because I'm highly, a highly trained educator with a lot of experience, I can look at something it spits out and be like, oh, it's not quite there yet, right? So I think that humanity piece, that human piece, um, at least for now, (laughs) (laughs) is still is still really really important but i think that that learning piece um is so important even if it's just understanding the bare minimum of how this these these tools work um and even like i mean even at this day and age there's still people don't understand how the internet works No. no they don't and so even and i think that that's you know still kind of crazy but i maybe i care more than most people about that kind of stuff for obvious reasons but um, but yeah, I think the, the, that is the bare minimum we can do, you know, is, is to just at least understand what these things are doing and how they work and that they're not like, maybe they do feel like magic, even to the people working on them, but that they're not, um, that, that, there's a basic function there of how they work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, the phrase you use back at the beginning of the show, like the way you're using those tools is, is as a thought partner. I mean, that's what I find myself using it quite a bit is I don't always have an office. I may not always be surrounded by people to bounce ideas off of. And so a lot of times I find myself more and more, I'll be working on something and then I'll throw it into chat GPT. Um, and then I'll just have it like, almost like debate me, like <laughs> push back on my ideas. Like, you know, and, 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 and am I able to not defend my thoughts, but am I able to articulate back what I'm thinking? And if I can, then I realize, you know, maybe I'm not quite ready to then share this out because I, maybe I, I actually can't speak to it. I don't know as much as what I do need to know, or just, you know, looking for the gaps in my own thinking, that kind of stuff I, I have found, you know, really fascinating. And I'll put a link in the show notes too. There's a course on LinkedIn on the LinkedIn learn. I can't think of the mm-hmm. name off the top of my head. It was one I was kind of searching through and there's some popular ones, but this guy had a, a short video segment on what general intelligence is. And then he explained how the AI works. And really what his point was like, it's actually not, not smart. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, we can get into like the tokens and it just generates and kind of chains letters together. But it's like, if you play chess, like a, a human that plays chess, 
and that's good at it is smart. Like they understand, they're calculating, they're moving through. But like an AI, like they, yeah, it could beat you every time, but it doesn't even know that it's actually playing chess. It doesn't even like right. it just it just it, it's just following whatever the next. It's just pattern recognition, but it doesn't know, <laughs> you know, like like that it's chess and there's someone across the table. It's just it's and so there's this interesting thing of like what it can do to expedite work, just like you talked about, but it's. I don't know, not necessarily intelligent, even though it kind of feels like it is. Um, mm -hmm. So it, 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 it's, it's all, I don't know. Every time I, I, I jump on LinkedIn or check my email and read the latest newsletters, it's like, oh man, I got so much to learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I love the, um, you know, the, the idea of people being AI experts and like experts in this and experts in that. And I think it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I, first of all, like I would never say I'm an expert in anything, no matter how good I was at something. I think that's a very finite way to define yourself. True. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but it is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it, it's everywhere. And I guess what I, you know, it, putting my educator hat on and beginning of the school year, you know, I do worry about um, principals, school leaders, superintendents who are crunched for time. And we'll just be like, this person's an AI expert, right? I'm going to bring them in. And, you know, I, I don't know that an AI expert understands the nuance of education. I yes. also think like an AI and education expert, I'll be frank, I don't see a lot of people talking about the data and the privacy, right? There's oh, a lot no. of like, ChatGPT will save you all this time and you can use it for making lessons and doing all this. But like, there's not a lot of conversation about like, what student data you're putting into the tool or, you know, what, um, what identifying personal identifying information are you putting in the tool? Is the information you're putting into the tool being used to train the model, which means that it's basically other people are going to be able to access what you put in there, um, which in, in education with all the, the FERPA and HIPAA laws, like, I mean, you're talking about people losing certifications, yeah. <laughs> like you really yeah. screw that up. Right. There are some tools that, you know, one of my things is I, I'm at the point now where I don't sign up for any of this stuff until I've read the privacy policy. Um, and so, and sometimes I sign up even though I'm like, <laughs> just because <laughs> I just bite the bullet. But, um, but as far as, you know, I have the, the good, I guess the, the, the good news is I have seen a few tools out there where they make a point of discreetly explaining what they do with PII or, you know, even the language which you should be seeing in privacy policies, if you don't see it run for the hills, um, what happens if our company is bought by mm. another company, right? Yeah. What happens to your data? So I think, especially when we work with student data, that is like, because <laughs> that is the American way. We buy yeah. little people. Yes, yes. Um, to make ourselves richer. Um, sorry, I won't get the politics <laughs> in here. But I think uh, in ed tech, you know, that happens so often, right? Little, you know, was oh, it yeah. Lego just bought, was it Kahoot? Did they yes. just buy? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I think, you know, one of the things um, that really, and this all started, I think you asked me the question about the resources and why I got into the resources. And part of it is because, to the learning point. There's so much going on and it's been like floating around in my brain. And sometimes the only way I can make sense for myself <laughs> is to organize it. And, you know, why not share that? Um, yep. So um, really it was kind of a selfish endeavor um, to be, because I, I can't, I feel like I can't express what I'm thinking or what my approaches or my thoughts are 
um, unless I take that time to concretely put them together. But something that I feel felt really important putting in there is this, I don't know if it's, it's just like a pretty graphic organizer, but it's a, <laughs> it's a way to think about your approach to these tools as you go back into school. And in the middle um, is this shared values. Yeah. So I think what I hope doesn't happen is people try to, so there's a new disruption coming in. We have to change what we're doing to meet the disruption. That's one way of doing it, which I think may be an approach folks are, are looking at. But there's also this idea of there's this disruption coming in. How do we use our shared values to approach how we handle the disruption? We don't need to necessarily change anything. We might, we might like, you know, the idea of like, you know, a lot of talk about how we have to rethink how we assess, right? So there may be some places, but, but in the end, as a school community, we should have some kind of shared value around assessment, right? So even if we have to change how we assess the whys of, of assessing and the, the ethos we have around assessing, that's there. So all it means is that we have to rethink the how, not the why. Yes. And so, um, so I hope that, you know, whether it goes around, you know, because your point with the, the cell phones, yeah, I mean, does your cell phone policy should already address the fact that like kids could be, I mean, how do I, how do I put this gently? Like <laughs> kids who can afford fancy technology will always have the upper hand. Yeah. My kids using a Chromebook. Versus my kids using a MacBook at home. So they have a kid who only has their school-issued Chromebook has access to way less stuff, right, than a kid who's got, like, a, a, a PC at home that has, like, Adobe Creative Suite, right? Yeah. So I think um, that's – that. I say that to say that, like, those things have not changed, right? A kid who's going to have access to a paid ChatGPT account versus a kid who's going to be using the one for free, right? There's also that piece. Or can afford Midjourney, right? Mm. Where Midjourney is not—I mean, it's free, but barely. Right. Um, so I think um, what what I hope folks do is really um, take the time, and this is something that I think all schools have had to do with this with the pandemic, right? Is like, who are we? What are we doing? What is our approach? Because if the pandemic didn't force your school community to have those conversations, um, you need to have them yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. definitely. Um, so I think that's something I'm interested in going back into the school year is having those conversations with my colleagues, but centering them on who we are as a school community and also like not coming at it from a place of fear, but coming at it from a place of inquiry and coming at it from a place of um, reflection and maybe some revisiting of things and, and processes and things. But in the end, it all should always come back to like who we are, who we stand for, and and how we work with kids. Um, the kids really need to be, you know, in the center um, as far as the choices that we made we make. And sometimes the kids might not la- like those decisions. But if we, tr- it's like, you know, as a parent, you're like, I'm doing this because I care about you. Right. And they're like, I hate you, mom. Right? <laughs> but like, you know, maybe 20 years from now, they'll be like, hey, mom was right. You know? That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so, um, so it may mean revisiting our cell phone policy and parents being upset or parent, or it may mean that we have to send a letter home to family saying like, do, and we might have to choose in our community, does opt in for chat GPT 
make sense or does opt out make sense, mm-hmm. right? We have to know our community of what, what our community um, is about. And I say that because ChatGPT, you can, you have to be 13, but if you're 13, um, if you're under 18 and 13 or older, I don't know what, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to have parental permission. So how do schools navigate that? And you have to know your community and you have to understand um, your community um, to be able to make those decisions and understand yourself, right? As a, as a school community. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as we, we may be respectful of your time here, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up this, this last point, because I think it's, it's, it's something that I've been trying to figure out how to properly articulate and I haven't quite nailed it yet, but what I see with the AI is yes, there's some conversations that need to be have, and it gets us thinking about, you know, the, the data, the privacy, some of these things that have, have maybe we've been a little too lackadaisical on when it comes to like our Chrome extensions and different apps and things of that nature. But it, it does bring a wonderful opportunity to start to bring IT and tech people into the fold of the conversation of what's happening in the classroom. Sometimes in districts, though, they, they, they work silently. They don't, they don't cross pollinate. And there's a great opportunity for people to be able to really dive into that work and feel like they can truly make an impact in the classroom. I know they, they do, but sometimes those, those, those worlds don't always oh, come yeah. together. The, the siloing is yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the other thing that, that comes as you're talking through that is to me, the AI is giving us another opportunity. Like you said, it's not changing our why, but COVID kind of just land blasted everybody and forced us to really kind of figure some things out. Here we are now with a, an AI layer to the world and are our actions actually following our words? And here's a good, good opportunity, I think, to really dive and spend more time on that human side as we go back and look at this stuff. You know, is our assessment truly doing what's best for kids? Is the way we teach truly what's in the best interest of kids? And and we 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 try for that, but now here's this another kind of disruptor that's here. Are we actually doing that, or do we need to start put more focus on that versus which tool is going to catch kids for cheating? Let's spend less time on that and more on Where's the engagement inquiry and the strategies that if the tools are there or not, they're not going away. Kids will find the a way AI, to the use AI them. proof <laughs> yeah, teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, I think it's you, you you hit on a really key point there um, as we go through. And so I gosh could talk to you for another two hours. <laughs> You've got such great insights, and I'll share your resource and your stuff in the show notes. But as we wrap up here, you know, if people want to follow you and learn more from what you're thinking and putting together and all the stuff you've got going on, where where are some of the best places to to, to follow you and find you? Um, so I am on LinkedIn as Mary Beth Hertz. So just my name. Um, and the back end is just my name. Um, if you're looking at the URL, but you can also look me up. Um, and then uh, on uh, basically everywhere in social media, I'm at MB Teach. So MB Mary Beth and Teach MB Teach. Um, not MB Teachers. That's a Manitoba Teacher Society. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I get lots of fun followers. Oh, I bet that way. Um, but I. But yeah, so I, I, I'm trying to think my website, marybethhurts.me um, is just kind of a landing place, but i um, happy to connect with folks. Well, I appreciate you uh, having this conversation with me. It's been an absolute blast. And like I said, we could probably chat through a whole nother hour on, on these, on these topics. And so I'm excited to continue to follow you, anybody listening in and follow you, 
Mary Beth as well, um, because she she brings a great insight and perspective to all this stuff as we all head back to school and try to navigate what's coming our way. But I think one of the key things is to continue to have these conversations and start to build some awareness, because I don't think the awareness is there as much as it maybe needs to be, but it, it's going to come full throttle here for everybody if you're not back at school yet, once <laughs> school starts up. So I appreciate the uh, conversation and the uh, insights and, and, and uh, time today. Thanks so much, Aaron, for having me. It was really fun. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.